Good morning again, New Life Church family. Good morning to our brothers and sisters that are tuning in from every part of the world. Um, we are just amazed in for God's grace for this one year that uh, he has given us the privilege and this blessing for us to be able to keep connected even through this inferior substitute. I pray that God will strengthen us as we wait for the day that we will come together again in person and we will praise our God and our King together in one voice. If this happens to be your first time with us, please notice that uh, we are going through a series in the book of Judges. Last week, we had a break with Pastor Wiley preaching about forgiveness. But this uh, day or today, we are just resuming our series. And today's story is of Samson. I believe that most probably, this is the most known judge in the book of Judges. He is the last judge in the downward sin cycle of spiral cycle of the nation of Israel. We have seen that cycle before. The people of Israel sin. After a time of peace, God will bring other nations to judge Israel. And Israel will, uh, will come back to God in repentance and crying for God's deliverance. And then we see God raising up a judge or a deliverer who will deliver Israel from their enemies. So many of us, we heard of the story of Samson. We heard about his strength. We heard about his long hair. But when we look at the book of Judges, we see a disturbing story about him. Samson is completely selfish. He is impulsive. He is disobedient. He is a liar. He is violent man, disrespectful to his parents. He is a rude man, independent, humanizer, a man full of lust, strong enough to kill 10,000 or 1,000 men alone but morally weak enough to be dominated by the crafty words of a woman. His life fully demonstrates the spiritual decline of the entire nation of Israel. So Samson's life was a picture of the condition of the nation of Israel entirely. He was the worst judge that we have seen so far. The most detailed, according to the writer of Judge, in terms of his personality, we have a lot of information from uh, Samson more than we had from the earlier judges. And as we will see, that even after him, Israel spiritual situation will only get worse in a complete depravity. 
Unlike the narrative of other judges, this time the narrative of Samson's life, in, in the, this narrative of Samson's life, we don't see Israel seeking and asking God to deliver them from their enemies. It seems that Israel was resigned to the situation of oppression that they were living in. And they did that maybe because they were powerless when it comes to military. And uh, I believe that one of the main reasons this can be one of them but one of the main reasons that Israel was simply leaving and not asking God for deliverance was that they adapt the lifestyle of the Philistines, which were the people dominating them for 40 years. But as we will see, even though Samson is so sinful, and flawed in his character, God, because of his faithfulness to Israel, chooses this broken vessel, Samson, for him to begin to deliver his people, Israel, from the hands of the enemy. Samson, a deliverer with the flawed character, that's the title of the message of today. And we will go, be going across chapter 13, chapter 14, and chapter 15 of the book of Judges. And my prayer is that by the end of this message, the spirit of the living God will open our eyes for us to see and understand the wonder of God's grace at work in our lives. So that we can appreciate God's grace more and more and lift up our voices in true and sincere praise back to Him. May the Holy Spirit help us, even in the communication or in the end of the communication of the word, and also in the end of receiving the word, so that this word can transform us today in Jesus' mighty name. So today, before we absorb God's lessons for us from the life of Samson, there are three things that I want us to consider about his life. And these will lead me to my first point this morning, which is Samson's birth. Samson birth. And we see that from verses 3 to verses uh, 5, uh, beginning uh, the context in, what, in which some, Samson's birth happened. So this is then uh, the announcement of the angel, because Samson's birth was a miracle's birth. And as we read these verses, see that See if you can remember something similar that you have heard recently in our messages. Uh, Samson's father was called Manoah. He was from the tribe of Dan. And his mother was called... 
sorry, and his mother was barren and could not have children. And we see then that the angel of God comes and speaks to Manoah's wife. And these are the words of the angels, of the angel of the Lord to Manoah's wife, reading from verse 3 in chapter 13. That says the word of God. And the angel of the, the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So this is the context that we have about Samson's birth. As I said, it is a miracles, a miraculous birth. Manoah and his wife, they were not able to conceive. But the angel came, the angel of the Lord came and said, no matter the situation you are, I'm telling you that you will conceive a child. Why? Because God has a purpose to accomplish through this child when he said that he will begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And the angel communicates to Manoah's wife that this son will be a Nazarite. So a Nazarite, if we want to know more about that or more about them, we need to see the context of that in Numbers chapter 6. But pretty much there were people that for some time they will make a vow to God. And during that time of their vow, they could not eat or drink anything out of the fruit of the vine, everything out of grape. And they would not also groom themselves because razor could not touch their body. So they were hairy. And also they could not be closer to any dead body. body. All things that were dead, they could not approach or even touch. And actually, this was a ceremonial uh, demand from God to all Israel. If you touch a dead body, you could not come and worship God. But for the Nazarite, that was something like very, very specific and demanded from them. And remember or notice that for Samson, it will not be for a period of time. The Bible says that even in his conception, he will always be a Nazarite through his entire life. These was the, the words of the angel to Manoah's wife. Manoah was not there. And as we continue reading, we will see that the wife comes to Manoah and tells her and tells him what the angel just told her. Manoah receives that. 
But he does one thing that I believe it is important for us to retain. See with me in verse 8 what Manoah does after receiving the news or the information from the wife. Then, verse 8, Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please, let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child that will be born. This is a prayer I believe every parent needs to do for his child. You know, Manoah was conscious of the surrounding system that they were living. It was not conducive to the worship of God. They were in midst or under the slavery of a nation who was a pagan nation. Knowing that, Manoah received God's word and then he prays, Father, reveal me again. Let this man come and for him to teach us how we need to bring up this child in the ways of the Lord. Parents, this is a daily prayer that we need to pray for our children right now. The world around us it's very, very, uh, totally depraved and not conducive to our child to learn to worship God. And we need to know from God what we need to do for our son and for our daughter specifically. And this is what Manoah prayed. Once again, we see prayer here emphasized. Another thing we can learn about this portion of the Bible is that life begins even in conception. In the mind of God, even before conception, life begins. Therefore, if you need to take a side in the matter of abortion, you know what side you need to take. If Manoah or his wife would abort the child. God's purpose should be accomplished in another way, but they will not be aligned with what God had to do through uh, Manoah and his wife and through Samson's life. And these are two very sober thoughts that we can learn from these verses. But as the story continues, we see then that the angel response or comes back in response of Manoah's uh, prayer. And we see that in verses from verses 12 to verse 14. We see then the angel coming back and you need to have your Bible open and follow me into this reading. The angel, the angel comes and gets to Manoah, and Manoah said to him, Is, Are you the man that has spoken to my wife, to this woman? And he said, Yes, I am. And Manoah said, Now, when your words, and just notice the confidence that Manoah had in that, those words, when your words come true, what, what is to be the child's manner of life? 
And what is his mission? And the angel said, verse 13, And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, All that I said to the woman, let her be careful to do that. Let her observe at the end of verse 14. That's what man, uh, the angel says to Manoah. So we see here that this angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we say so? Why we have that certainty to say so? First of all, you will see here that the angel speaks with his own authority. He doesn't say, the Lord says, he says, I say, do as I say. He speaks with authority. The other thing is that he declares the purpose of life of the child to be born, even before he is born. And only God can know that. And we see also that he demands uh, ob obedience. At the end of verse 14, he says, I commanded her, let her observe. So he demanded that uh, obedience from them, from Manoah and mainly from his wife. And we will see that when Manoah finished to speak to the angel, he offers a sacrifice. And the angel accepts that worship in the form of that, sac that sacrifice. Only God. Only Christ accept worship. If it was a prophet or a common man, they would not accept that. And the last thing, why do we know that this is God himself, the pre-incarnated Christ himself? He says that his name is too wonderful to be said when in verse 18 Manoah asks his name. He says... Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? And in Isaiah chapter 9, we see that even our Lord Jesus Christ is called the wonderful God. That's why we say that the communication that Manoah and the wife received about uh, Samson's birth is directly from the Lord. Is the Lord that commanded and said those words to them. The question is, do you remember something similar in the Bible? You will see that before Sarah bare a child, Isaac, the angel came. You will also remember in the New Testament, even Elizabeth, they were visited by, she was visited by Angel Gabriel before the birth of John Baptist. And Jesus Christ, Mary also was visited by Angel Gabriel before his birth. So this birth of Samson was completely miraculous. But one last thing we can learn from this portion. And I know that it is a very specific thing that is happening here with Manoah and his wife. But brothers and sisters, the word of God says that our God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And as we sing in the first song by faith, 
In Mark 9.23, the Bible says that all things are possible to him who believes. Therefore, maybe you are facing also a very difficult situation. In the, in the case of Manoah and his wife was lack of children. But maybe your situation is different. But you can learn from this word that you can trust God. He can do everything. Tom Shiner would put that in this way. God is glorified in faith, in our faith, to him because he is honored as the all-sufficient one who can meet every need. I want to assure you from the authority of the scriptures that nothing is impossible for those that believe in Christ Jesus. Believe in him, dare to believe in him, put your faith in him. But as the story continues in chapter 14, we see the second thing we need to consider for, uh, from Samson's life. It is the beginning of his moral decay in chapter 14. Chapter 13 ends by the woman or, or Manoah's wife giving birth to Samson. And the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord in verse 25 began to steer him, began to take hold of Samson's heart. But as he grew, we see from chapter 14, a decay on his morality or in his moral uh, character. Samson decides to go and to marry a Philistine woman from the town or from Timna. We see that from verses 1 to verses 3. We don't have time to read everything, so just have your Bible open as we go on. So, but see how uh, Samson addresses their, his parents. Verse 2, then he came up and told his father after seeing the women that he wanted to marry and say, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me, his wife. But his father, verse 3, and mother said to him, Is there no women among the daughters of your relatives or among your people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Now see the response of Samson. But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. That was uh, Samson's reply. Brothers and sisters, we see that Samson is moving in an impulsive way. He wants to do everything according to his own understanding. That's what the, 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 the meaning of she is right in my eyes. I like her, I want her, and no one else can take that from me. This is an hedonism, a fleshly hedonism. The, the satisfaction of the pleasure of the flesh. What we want, what we see, what we desire. Do what your heart is telling you to do. That's what 
he is communicating here from this response of Samson. If you feel it, if it is good for you, you can go, do. That's the communication the world also is giving to us today. You do not have to care about people around you and not take them in consideration. Be it your family, your spouse or children, mom, dad, and siblings, or even in the church, in your fellow brothers and sisters, even in the society, at your workplace, or even when you are riding in the road. If something you want to do, do it, because it is right in your own eyes. But let me warn you here. In the same way Samson declares these words, is in the same way the book of Judges ends, but with additional comment there. It's a refrain, an important refrain in the book of Judges, when the Bible says that because there was no king in Israel, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Brothers and sisters, if there is no king in our lives, we are left to do our own thing. And don't think that is a good thing. Romans 1 says that because we have reduced the image of God in our idolatry, God has offered them to their own pleasure, to their own desires. And in the next chapter, you will see the consequence of this attitude of the people of Israel, including Samson. But we need to continue. The time is flying. So what happens after that? Samson is now breaking a law from Israel. He doesn't care what God says that we could not marry or they could not marry from the pagan uh, people. He goes because he wants to do that. But as he goes, the Bible says that he goes through a vineyard to Timna. And when in that vineyard a lion comes and he kills a lion with his own hands as the spirit of the living God strengthened him. We see that in verse, from verses 5 to verse 7 in chapter 14. And as he kills the lion, of course the lion is dead. So he is now closer to a dead body. And in here, he's breaking one of his Nazarite vows very clearly. And he doesn't care. But see that the Bible says that he does that when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And the story goes on. He goes to Timna, and he finds uh, the wife. He gets married, married to her. But before that, on his way, in verse 8 in chapter 14, we see that now he, in his way back from Timna, he sees the lion and with some bees and honey in, 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 in the carcass of the lion. He takes from that honey, he eats, contaminating himself, but he goes 
father to give that honey to his mother and his father without telling them from where this honey came from. Not only contaminating himself, he is now contaminating also his father, his mother, his family. Lesson, when you sin, people around you suffer as well. We cannot only be self-centeredness in our lifestyle. We need to think about people around us. A good call and sober thought for us. The story continues in verse 10. There is a feast. That feast for that marriage is for seven days. And we see now that Samson prepared that feast. And that word feast there, we cannot see that clearly in English. But in Hebrew, it emphasizes that it was alcohol-oriented, wine-oriented feast. It emphasized the drinking. And even in your study Bible, if you have one, you will see that comment about that. So we see Samson breaking another Narizite, uh, another vow, another Narizite vow. And he doesn't care. He goes, he marries to that lady. And the people of Philistines, they are concerned about that marriage because in that celebration, he makes a riddle and asks for a recompense if someone would answer that riddle. And then the people of Phili the, Phil the Philistines people come to uh, uh, Samson's wife or future wife and say, look, if you don't tell us what the answer is, we will come and burn your house. And then the lady goes to Samson, oh, crying in verse 16. She wept and said, oh, oh, Samson, you only hate me. You don't love me. Uh, you have a riddle to my people and you have not told me what is the answer. And then we see that because, we read that in verse 17, because she pressed him hard, he gave up and gave the answer to the wife. And the wife told uh, his, her people and her people answered. And now Samson needs to pay back to them about that recompense of the riddle. But see now in verse 19, how Samson does that. Out of nothing, out of the blue, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went to Askelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil to give the garment which was the gift or the recompense to those that would get the riddle. But see that Samson just killed them out of the blue. The story continues, and this takes me to my third point this morning, which is to consider the victory of, Philistine, of Samson over the Philistines. Because what happened, we see then that Samson goes back to his father very upset. The Bible actually uses the word anger. He went back in verse 90. In hot hunger, he went back to his father's house. But his wife has left in her father's place. And because the father thought that Samson would not come back, he went in anger. He gave 
he, her, his daughter to a companion of Samson in marriage. But after some days, Samson comes back to meet again to, uh, with uh, his uh, wife. And the father simply say, look, I have given her to your companion. Can you take my younger daughter? Samson rejects. And then in fury, he say, this Philistine today, they will feel me. I will do something to them. So he takes 300 folks and he goes, he burns completely their uh, 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 crops, grop, or grain, sorry. They are grains completely. They are filled. He burns that. And then when the Philistines notice that, they come and they ask, who did that? Samson, uh, because his father-in-law has given his wife to his companion. Then they say, okay, we will come and kill the father and the daughter. So the father-in-law of Samson and his daughter, which is Samson's wife, burn alive. And Samson in fury say, I'm going to wipe them all. Then he kills all of them. See the cycle of not forgiveness come into life of those that don't absorb some uh, uh, pain in their lives. Because there was not forgiveness, one kills another, another kills another, and the cycle continues, continues. When Samson finished to kill these people, he goes back to the cleft of a rock in Itman, verses 8 in chapter 5. But then the Philistines, knowing what Samson did, they come and they want to jail and to uh, have Samson in their custody to kill them. They come to, Ju to Ju Judah and they ask for Samson. And the people of Judah goes where Samson is, 3,000 men. And you wonder why to get Samson they need 3,000 men. They were afraid, of course. And uh, they went where Samson was and they asked him to come with them because the Philistines wanted to kill him. Samson just tell them, look, pro promise me that you will not kill me. They say, no, we'll not kill you. We'll just bind you and give you to them. They will do the work. But when he came to the camp of the Philistines, the Bible says in verse 14 of Judges 15, that the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson again. And all the binding that was in Samson were just like flags, became flags and caught in fire and the bones melt completely. And then Samson took a jawbone of a donkey and with that jawbone alone, he killed 1,000 men. And we see at the end after he does that, and remember he could not touch anything from a dead, a dead body. So he once again breaks his Narizat vow. At the end, verse 18, Samson prayed after killing these 1,000 men, saying, God, I know that you have granted salvation to or by the hand of your servant. But see what he says now, verse 18. Shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? It is not a good way of praying God, to God, yes? 
it is unpolite the way God, uh, Samson prays here. Like, okay, you gave me victory. Okay, now you will leave me now to die in the hands of these uncircumcised. And guess what? God didn't do anything but just answer the prayer of Samson. Now, for me, all these were very disturbing. I need to be honest. For the first time, I saw these details in the life of Samson. There was nothing good in his life. And the disturbing question for me while preparing was, Lord, how can you use a man totally corrupt the Samson? Like, the way we read what Samson was in this chapter is really disturbing. To the point that we see the spirit of the living God empowering Samson to do what he did. It seemed to me that the spirit of the living God was empowering Samson to break God's law. And then I remember some rules that... I, 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 I understood and it was taught to me while interpreting and understanding the Bible that before we continue, I would like to share with you. Every time that we see something that doesn't make sense in our mind, in the Word of God, these things helps us to maintain the balance. The first thing, God will never contradict himself. We need to believe that. And like Elder Rob once taught us, the spirit of the living God will never, in and through God's word, lead someone to sin. Never. Secondly, every time we see an apparent contradiction in God's words, always have in mind God's character and start trying to understand that passage from God's character. And not opposite. Not from the circumstance that is confusing to God, but from God to his word. From God's character to his word. Thirdly, uphold truths in the same emphasis that the Bible does that. Even when they seem to be irreconcilable. You see one truth say something, and the Bible uh, back that truth and another one you cannot reconcile just uphold those truths together as they are be aware of rashed and presumption conclusion it can lead you to heresy be aware don't be quick to rush to conclusion talk to God fearing men as I did once I, 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 I came to this point and wrestle with the scripture until you ask God to illuminate you for you to understand the scripture. Talk to people. Talk to God-fear men. And this is very crucial. Rest in the character of God and in his wisdom. Make peace with some mysteries. The Bible says that what God has revealed is for us, but what he has kept is for him. It's not of your business. It's not of our business. He is God and we are not. Don't try to understand him. Even eternity will not be enough for us to understand him. And he is the one that upholds his word. 
And with this in mind, I just wrestle to answer then the question. But it will be wrong for me to conclude that the story of Samson is saying that we can go about anyway, sinning as we want, and God still will use us, and he will be okay with it. It is a wrong conclusion at all. God is holy and righteous, and he will punish sin. Please don't doubt this. Don't have any doubt about it. He is a holy and righteous God. And as a matter of fact, Pastor Garrett will preach that next Friday. Okay? If you see that so far in the story, Samson has broken only two of his Narizite vows. Wait then until you see next week what will happen to his eyes when he breaks the third vow. God needs to punish sin, and he will do that. But the same God that is holy and righteous and will punish sin is the same Father that forgives sin. He is a Father full of grace. And I believe that's all that Samson's story is talking to us today about the grace of God. He is the God that is full of grace. And it is only in and through the grace of God that Samson's story is pointing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. It was only the grace of God that allowed me to understand what was going on in here. And this leads me to my last point, which is that Samson's story points us to our Lord Jesus Christ and to the glory of God. And the glory of God here, I want to be specific, I mean the praise of his glorious grace. He is a God full of grace. Brothers and sisters, Samson's strength was in the Lord and in his grace. God has vowed in himself to do something through Samson before he was born. He wanted to save his people. And he vowed himself because he declared that. He says to Manoah's wife that Samson will begin to save his people. And because he promised and because he is faithful, he had to do it even through a broken vessel like Samson. It is not because of Samson. It, it, it was because of him, of his grace and his promise. But we say, how come? We cannot really grasp that. But the way we can answer that is to look what Samson did outwardly and bring that to us inwardly. All those sins that Samson committed outwardly, we see in us today. We are sinners. And if you don't have anything in your heart wrong, you can take the first stone and just stone me right now. But I know that if you go deep inside of yourself, 
You cannot do that. Why? Because you see sin in your heart. Therefore, if you say that it is not fair for God to proceed in this grace to Samson, then you are asking God right now to pour his wrath in your life right now. I don't know if you are the holy one, holier than thou, Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, but I know that I am a sinner. And even if I have the courage to stand and to speak God's words to you right now, it is only because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What about you? It is only the grace of God that allows us right now to stand before him. Otherwise, his wrath would consume us completely and destroy us. Are you thankful about that, brothers and sisters? Do you praise him for his grace? I say that Samson points us to Christ. And I, have, I gave some hints during the story. He was miraculously uh, born or conceived in the same way Jesus was. Like Jesus, Samson is set apart from the mother's womb to save Israel, God's people. Remember uh, the series in December. Angel Gabriel comes to Mary and say that you will have a child, you will bore a child, you will conceive from the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus will do would save his people, God's people, from their sin. Those that were to be taken from the bondage of the Philistines were those that gave Samson to Philistine, in the same way those that gave Jesus to be crucified were those that would embrace Jesus in their life, their own people. In the same way, Jesus at the cross alone has conquered the grave and the victory for us. Samson alone has defeated 1,000 men of Philistines. In the same way, Samson was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes and other, Jesus was also empowered by the Spirit of the living God. In the same way, Samson was thirst. Jesus on the cross, he was also thirst. But the bottom line here is not how much Samson is like Christ, but how much he is unlike Christ. You see... You will never see in the story that we say about Samson, he is never leading God or the people of Israel back to worship. You don't see that from him and neither from the people. But Jesus in our salvation, he is taking us to worship God. Samson was completely corrupt morally and all his life. But the Bible said that Jesus never sinned. The Bible says... That the spirit of the living God was in Christ without measure, whereas in Samson he would come and go. Samson skills for the glory of himself in vengeance, not for the glory of God. And as we will see next week, even in his death, 
He cries out for vengeance and not for forgiveness. But Jesus Christ, our Lord, he gives his life. He dies for us, not crying out for vengeance, but he cries out for forgiveness. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Brothers and sisters, it is the grace of God that gives us ability for us to stand. Praise be his name. Samson's story just shows us the glory of God in a way that we cannot understand. God triumphed over sin by his grace and his grace alone. Now, what was the answer to my question? How God could be holy and righteous and let Samson live in that fashion and use him? First of all, we need to see what Hebrews 11.32 says. It is the gallery of faith, those that lived by faith in the Old Testament. And in that gallery, surprisingly, we see Samson named among David, among Abraham, among any other good men that you may name and you may know in the Bible. But when we see his life as the way we saw today, we ask, how come he could be in the gallery of faith? But we thank God for his word. Turn to me to Romans 3 from verse 21 to 25. And we will finish there. Romans 3 from verse 21 to 25. That says the word of God. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Meaning it's, it has nothing to do with what we do or doesn't do. Although the law and the prophets bear witness of the righteousness of God, of it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for all, all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. See this sentence now. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins of Samson. Let me comment that. Why God was able to use Samson? Because of his forbearance, he passed over 
former sins. Why? Because he knew that there will be a perfect judge in the cross of Calvary that he will pour out all his wrath and be a righteous and holy God punishing the sins of Samson in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we stand also before God. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ, God will not input our sin on us. He did that on our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why now we can stand before him. He that knew, no, knew not sin, God made him sin in order that we in him may become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters, this is what the story of Samson is all about. We are broken people. Completely broken, but our God is the faithful God. In our brokenness, He is glorified. When we are unfaithful, He is faithful because He cannot deny Himself. It is all about God. It is all about the praises of his glorious grace that he has bestowed to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be all glory, adoration, and praises now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, will you open up our eyes and our ears, our spiritual senses for us to see and understand what Jesus did for us. And as we do that, Lord, will you cause us to glorify your name, to celebrate you, Lord, in the beauty of your holiness. Because indeed, in our Lord Jesus Christ, you have made us your righteousness. To you alone be the glory. I pray for those that need conviction in their hearts to receive Christ, Lord, that your spirit will be at work. And that they will not reject, O oh Lord, the grace that you have given us, Lord. If we are not in your grace, in Christ Jesus, we are completely lost. So let people that are hearing us listen to this message, understand and receive by faith the gift of salvation that you have given us in our Lord Jesus Christ. So that in the ages to come, your grace will be praised as we see in the book of Ephesians. Lord, we believe that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. To the praise of your glorious grace in Christ Jesus, we pray and believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.